Okay, so we're going to continue in our study um, in the letter to the Ephesians, and we're going to finish the first chapter. So last time we finished in verse um, 14, so we're going to um, go through verses 15 to 22. Um, and I don't remember, I don't remember when I started the study, but basically when I started the study, I shared that um, the letter is summed up in two major themes. The first one being that Christ has um, reconciled all creation to himself and to God. And the second being that Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. So we're still on the first main theme and that's gonna continue into um, chapter two and I believe into chapter three, where um, in chapter two, Paul is gonna go into a more um, like extensive description or explanation of what he wrote in the beginning of chapter one. So let's go ahead and um, just read the first full chapter um, and then we'll look at the last eight verses. So it says, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his kind intention, um, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times, that is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were um, the first to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, um, who, is the given, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks um, for you while making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of um, him who fills all in all. Um, 
So verse, from verses 15 to 17, those were all the things, um, those were the things that were at the top of Paul's priority list regarding the hearts of the people in the church of Ephesus, which were a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of God, the Father. And then he goes on to say um, in verses 18 and 19, that he prayed that the eyes of their hearts would be enlightened so that they would know the hope of his calling, um, the riches of the glory of his inheritance and the saints and the surpassing greatness of his power toward those who believed, which are all accord in accordance with the working of the strength of his might. So these are all, these are the things that, <clears throat> sorry, these are the things that will have mattered the most at the end of each believer's life however long or short that may be for each of us to come to truly um, experience the eyes of our heart to be awakened and illuminated um, to be able to fully grasp the hope of his calling the riches of his of the glory of his inheritance and the surpassing greatness of his power to those who believe the hope of his calling being what we have forward to what we have um, to look forward when we get to go home and even now um, the things that have been made available to us for those who have placed their hope in Christ, things like rest in Christ, peace with God, joy, wisdom, etc. There's so many things that have been made available to us in hope in placing our hope in Christ and the riches of the glory of his inheritance being the inheritance that belongs to Jesus Christ as the son of God is now ours and cannot be, um, cashed in per se for lack of better words any other way except through Christ and this only further shows with what kind um shows us with what kind of love it is that God has for his children the surpassing greatness of his power toward those who believe meaning that as Christians we'll get to experience or we get to experience the power of the living God in Christ that surpasses all competing authorities whether that be um the enemies, the government, whatever, like, like Christ's power surpasses all of those things. Um, and all of these being in line with the working strength of his power. And because of where, or better yet, from whom it is that these things are derived from, we can rest from the temptation we might have to want to work things out, work these things out um, in us or produce them on our own, according to our strength and according to our own knowledge. Because at the end of the day, if we, if and when we do attempt to do these things or earn some or earn um, or earn these things somehow, it's only going to leave us defeated and it's only going to leave us really tired. Um, because it is the Lord alone who can enlighten or bring to life the eyes of our heart in order to truly experience these privileges that have been granted for us to partake in. Um, in verses twenty to twenty-three, say which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion in every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So these privileges were alone granted through Jesus and because of Jesus when he was raised from the dead and was seated at the right hand of the father granting him 
to be um, the ruler and the ultimate authority and the one who has the power over every dominion, whether that be um, in heaven or on earth. And his name is above every name and all things have been made um, to be under subjection to his feet. And he is the head of the church, making the church um, his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all, meaning that because he is not only the head, but is actively living in us, that makes us his hands and feet here on earth. So he embodies and fills all the earth um, in his living through us. That's, that's the best way that I can explain it. Um, and that's all of study. That's it. I'm done. I'm just kidding. So let's continue chapter two. All right. So we're going to be in the first 10 verses of chapter two. And so, like I said at the very beginning, um, that this chapter just goes on to further explain in a more like in more descriptive detail of what chapter one tells us of um, how it is that we were saved, who and what we were prior to salvation and what the cost of this salvation was. So let's go ahead and read the first 10 verses. And they say, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgress transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us, seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. Um, okay, so going back to the first three verses. So we by nature we were born into the sin of adam and because of that we were caused or we were subject to obey the prince of the power of the air which is the which is the devil meaning that we were basically born his slaves <clears throat> so we are born with no inclination or responsiveness toward the lord and we are born with the inability to please him um, causing the things that we desire or the things that we are lenient toward to be that which God calls not good. And they're the things that we, um, that we are prone to desire or love more than his truth. And their pull um, more often than not can be stronger than our desire to walk in obedience. And that's just, that's just reality. Um, this is the why of our daily struggle to want to do what is right, but the voice of um, our weaknesses a lot of the times are the loudest. Um, when Adam and Eve sinned against God, that separation that happened, um, hang on. That separation that happened 
um it didn't only like um like it didn't only affect like the um the physical separation from god in a relationship to him but a breaking away from him in literally all aspects of our earthly life which is why at birth we are born dead we're dead we're born dead to a life in christ making us um disobedient to god and is a byproduct adam's of adam's disobedience making us by default children of wrath <clears throat> and what is so incredible is that while this is true we are still made in the image of god that's that's cool um we are all born with with eternity stamped into our soul and because of this while we are dead in sin the things we indulge in and pursue and the things that we crave however wicked they are are actually just the cries of our soul searching for um, life and meaning. Um, man was created to worship with purpose and pursue those things which are um, long lasting and life giving and that alone can be found in Christ and in unity with God, making everything else an idol or a false God when all they were meant to be was a part of our life and not the main focus. The things in which we um, try to desperately find meaning and value in life in things like work, relationships, health, pastimes, um, and everything else that we can find to fill our time, whatever other things people do, I don't know. Um, all of these things were created for the intent to be for our good and even for our enjoyment because God is good. But because these were all tainted by sin outside of Christ, they've become um, distorted in our hearts and our minds, resulting in us misusing and abusing and missing the point um, in our pursuit of them. So, and because there is no um, peace with God, we all um, all we have to all we have is the futility of our mind and the weakness of our strength. Um, and because we are born in sin, pride is embedded in us. Um, <clears throat> and being told that we are evil makes us want to um, defend ourselves and say that we are not as evil maybe as the Bible says, or we are not as evil as whoever it is that we know that we think is really bad. Um, but we're actually like far more wicked than we even understand ourselves ourselves. We even understand ourselves to be. And the only reason we are restrained is due to the mercy of a good God. Um, even the most wicked of people are restrained right now and they've always been restrained. Um, however wicked or like things we hear of, the things that have happened in history, the things that are happening now, like those are still under the restraint, the restraints of God. Um, and this is what our life was like before Christ, maybe to different, like a different extent of wicked, but wicked nonetheless and dead. And the solution to our problem would be to escape and break free from the imprisonment from this imprisonment and to become a new creation so um that's where the good news of jesus comes so verses four to seven say but god being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us even when we were dead in our transgressions made us alive together with christ by grace you have been saved um, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. 
Um, so God chose or knew those who would be saved, whichever way you view election. And to those out of his great love, night, out of his great love gave them the highest honor that they be seated in the heavenly places in um, Christ Jesus. So the Lord being rich in mercy, meaning that he is overwhelmingly and abundantly full of compassion, so much so um, that he is able to provide this mercy over and over and over again and never run low. Being rich in mercy because of how great of love he had toward us while we were dead in sin, um, chose to make us alive in Christ. And that's so beautiful. Whether you were um, raised in a Christian home or not, or whether you were raised, um, whether the morals and values that you were raised on were good or not, um, we all know ourselves enough to know that we aren't worth or we aren't worthy of this type of love. Um, We're not worthy of the type of patience and grace and mercy that the Lord has had toward us prior to salvation. And even now, um, while we're saved, um, there's literally no reason any of us could use to say that we somehow deserved to be saved from the wrath that's going to one day come to judge the world and that really is liberating for the soul and it gives us so much freedom to live a life that is worth living because the lord has already taken care of the most um unsolvable problem there ever was he took it upon himself to um to mend that which was broken and god himself chose to descend down to earth and conquer sin and death on our behalf so that we wouldn't have to live our life trying to gain or um, earn a good afterlife because we are because we are created with eternity in our hearts. I think I think that from a young age, um, almost every person probably begins to wonder like what happens when they die, which is why most people, if not all, try to find meaning and purpose or are really generous or try to do what is right in their own eyes so that at the end of their life they can say that they've somehow earned a ticket to heaven or whatever it is that they believe in happens like after we die um but the bible says that our best works our good works are as filthy rags and that sounds harsh but it only makes the point that our best work will forever fall short of the glory of god um so to have been saved, redeemed, justified, and reborn in Christ is the best news and gift we have been given. We no longer have to um, strive to make it into heaven, and we can just rest on the fact that we've already been granted a place with the Lord um, in eternity with um, in Christ Jesus. And it is the greatest of kindnesses that God would have mercy on um, on His help on such helpless enemies which is what we are prior to Christ, um, that out of his heart would flow love toward us without us having done anything um, to deserve that. Verses eight and nine say, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one may, may boast. Um, so the free unmerited favor of God is what saved us the moment we placed our faith in jesus his son um this is just for fun i wanted to add this side note there are some who will say that faith is a work because we choose to believe in jesus when the gospel is presented to us so we make an active choice 
and that is part of the salvation process. And then there's the other side that says that faith is not um, something that we choose or produce ourselves, but it is something that is gifted to us through the Holy Spirit, causing us to believe the gospel and therefore causing us to place our faith in Christ. Some would call that irresistible grace. I just think that was fun. To, that would be fun to add. So you guys can make up your mind on wherever you land there. Um, just something to think about. <clears throat> so the fact that we have been saved by grace not only offers us the gift of salvation, but it also off provides us a comforting assurance um, of safety within that salvation that God will not let you go. He will not change his mind about you. He's not going to change his mind about his choosing you as long as you are abiding in Christ. There is literally nothing you can do that would separate you um, from his love or from you having a place in the kingdom that is to come. However, how we choose to steward that relationship, that's our responsibility. We choose to either feed or starve our relationship with God. Um, and Paul wanted to be perfectly clear that no one is able to earn a ticket to salvation or for salvation. Um, it is a gift from the Lord. And because it is a gift, there is no reason for anyone to boast or be arrogant um, in his choosing of them. In every aspect, salvation is not our doing. We did nothing to convince him to save us. It was literally God who chose or... Um, yeah, who chose who or, or who would not be saved based on his foreknowledge and sovereignty. And so if we are to boast in anything, it should be in the Lord and not, nothing less than that. Because to boast in anything less than the Lord is foolish. Um, and humility is what would be the appropriate heart attitude that should be produced in us as a result of this um, knowledge. And verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in the Christ Jesus for good works with God with what? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. So part of the why of our being um, regenerated or born again in Christ was with the purpose or intent of good works that the Lord prepared beforehand that we would do on his behalf. So whatever thing or multiple things that the Lord calls good and that is causing each one of us to serve others or deny ourselves of something for the sake of something greater or that door that you open for someone today, um, that is a good work that God had chosen for you to do prior to your coming to faith in Jesus. And it's actually really cool and really weird to think about that whatever good you get to be a part, a part of, however, um, however significant or insignificant it may seem, it was you who was assigned to, to do that. And it was you who the, the Lord wanted to use for that very thing. Um, and salvation is not based on work, but the good works that we do as Christians are just a result or consequence of God's new creation work in us and um that's pretty cool